Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You can't say, well... I'm going to do this, self-determination. God's called me to be a pastor, and I'm going to be a pastor. If he's called you to be one, you can be one. If he hasn't, you'll never be one. Well, I want to be one. No, that's back to the whole thing on gifts. Remember, he gives you. This is a whole body. Everything flows together. So whatever he gives you to do, it isn't a wish list you have out there. Whatever He gives you to do, you can absolutely do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's safe to say that if you're an adult, that the job you have isn't the one you wanted to have at age five. Kids dream big, but sometimes you don't have the innate ability to do what it is you wanted to do. One of the hardest things to watch is someone in a position that they're just not suited for. They make a mess of things, and while they might complete tasks, they really struggle to do so. Pastor Mark will be teaching about God's kingdom and how it works the same way. Stick to God's calling, you'll be all right. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, They had faith, so can we. Back to Hebrews 11, verse 32. As you look at these first, well, five or maybe six, because Samuel's kind of a little different. Of course, prophets come at the end. But as you look at all of these, you see something immediately. Who gained, look at verse 33, who gained faith through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered genocide, gained, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched fury, the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. What do you see in that verse? This thing you see, everything, is something you've heard me say so many times. You see spiritual warfare. Every person goes through spiritual warfare. It's not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And so let me just remind you what you're battling as you are trying to accomplish the thing God wants you to accomplish. Every Christ follower has three enemies. Our flesh. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm saved. I don't have the flesh nature. Well, yes, you do. Your spirit's saved. Your old flesh is still there, and you battle that. The second is the world. And the world and its influence has great influence on us. How do you think this world, the United States, got in the credit problem? It is, why all the homes going back? How did that happen? One reason. Banks said, you can afford it. We'll show you how you can afford it. No, we can't afford it. Yes, you can afford it. And we, looking at everybody else getting something new, said, well, I guess we can afford it. 
And we got into it, and the world did what to us in, this, in the United States? It squeezed us into whose mold? Its mold. And that's where we're at. So we understand that. It's very easy. And the third thing, of course, your enemy does, Satan. There was a lady who came into the office of a pastor and sat down. She then handed her Bible over to him and said, I'm turning my Bible in. I cannot live this Christian life. It's just too difficult, and I'm quitting. I'm going back to my old lifestyle. I gave it a good try, but the demands of Christ are simply too difficult. Anyone here ever feel like quitting? Be honest. Sure you have. Notice, if you understand this, the demands of Christ are too difficult. See, what she is doing, the reason she was quitting, I'm sure the pastor probably talked her out of it. I hope he did. She's talking about self-determination. She's just going to, I can do this by myself. You can't do this by yourself. You can't defeat those three enemies in your natural man. That's impossible. So the Christian life certainly includes a commitment, discipleship, and endurance. But that will never bring you spiritual victory. Just want you to write this down. Life is not just a matter of trying. I tried and I tried and I tried and I, I tried. No, it's not just a matter of trying, but also trusting. Trusting that the promises of God are true. Let me just read to you John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He will bear much fruit. He will. She will. Now, Why is that trusting? Well, because the enemy will say, you can't do it. It's impossible to do it. So I either believe John 15, 5, or I don't believe it. You either believe it or you don't believe it. It's either true or it isn't true. Well, we know it's from God, it's true. So that means as long as I'm connected to him and I'm in him, whatever he allows to come into my life, it will happen. So the opposite of that person saying, I can't do anything for God. Well, no, you can't, but with him you can. Paul would say in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, what is the limitation on that? The limitation on that is simply this. I can do everything he calls me to do and he gifts me to do. If you said to me, Pastor Mark, I'd like to see this on the webpage, would you program it? You better be waiting for a while. I couldn't do it. My wife came home. Her and Early do a lot of painting and stuff, and she went to a class a few months ago, or I don't know how long ago. She took one class on doing portrait painting of people. She'd never done one. She took her little granddaughter's picture, and she did a portrait. She came home absolutely incredible. Now, if you give me a paintbrush, it better be about that thick, And put some gloves on me, and I can do the wall, baby. There's no problem. (laughs) A portrait, you wouldn't recognize anybody. I can't even do a stick man of a portrait. So what am I saying? You can't say, well, I'm going to do this. Self-determination. God's called me to be a pastor, and I'm going to be a pastor. If he's called you to be one, you can be one. 
If he hasn't, you'll never be one. Well, I want to be one. No, that's back to the whole thing on gifts. Remember, he gives you. This is a whole body. Everything flows together. So whatever he gives you to do, it isn't a wish list you have out there. Whatever he gives you to do, you can absolutely do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, while you're doing that, what's going to happen? Well, Galatians 5.16 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. As you battle in your life, just like these people did, remember, flaws. What's my flaw? My flaw is I still have my sin nature. I still have my weakness. So do you. You know what that area is. So I have this flaw. If it's not going to become a failure, the way it doesn't become a failure is I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter 8 tells us that those three enemies never have to have power over me anymore. I can say no to my flesh nature. I'll never stop being tempted, but I can say no. You're going to see one man that you know his name well always had lust his whole life. It brought him down. He was not able or didn't allow God to conquer that in his life. So as we look through this, living by the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean I'm condemned, doesn't mean I'm frustrated, doesn't mean I've ever have to force to give in to sin. It simply means that God will empower me to say no and I can walk away from sin. Like we talked about Joseph, he was able, through the power of God, to just run from Potiphar's wife. He ran, and that did it. Now, let's look at the first one here, Gideon. You know the story. I'm not going to go into detail at all, just kind of give you a quick little overview. Gideon, remember the least in his family, the least nation, thinking, God, you got the wrong man when God comes to him. But God says, no, I don't have the wrong man. I want to use you. I want your faith to be increased. You remember the story. Gideon's army was reduced by God. From 32,000 to 300, kind of like working at the Cape or something when the shuttle goes away. All the workers were gone. And the 300 that were left were people that Gideon said, okay, there's what I'm left with. Can I actually win the battle with 300? Yes. But something happened in all of this. Obviously, Gideon learned to trust God's promises, and he did eventually win. Against the Midianites. But turn with me to Judges, Old Testament Judges. Judges chapter 6. See, we're all this work in progress. And what we're going to pray tonight are some of these issues. Judges 6.36. When God comes to Gideon and says, I want you to do this, this, and this, and this. Notice verse 36. And Gideon said to God, This would be good for you to circle in your Bible. Circle the word, if. If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised. You see, if and promise don't go together. Either he promised or he did promise. So, if can't be there. The outcome is he wins. Where does this work? Notice. Gideon learned to have faith in God's promises. No ifs. You don't want ifs in your life. When there's ifs in your life, faith is gone. Ifs represent doubt. God, I know you can do this if you will. 
If God's promised, he can do it. You're right there in Judges. Go to Judges 7.15. And you'll see that finally this flaw that was in Gideon, if all the different things that he would do, we don't have time to get into them, he finally overcame that. It didn't end up in failure. Look at Judges 7.15. When Gideon heard that the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called up, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp in your hand. All the ifs were gone. He was assured now that God was going to give the victory. Now, my question to you and myself is this. Is there an area in your life where God's given you a promise, but you put an if in front of it? God's given you a promise, and you're putting a qualifier out there if. It doesn't work. Take the if away. If God's given you a promise, you stand on the promise. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't put an if out there. You just stand on it. See, if the if is there, that's simply doubt. And so there's very little faith. The flaw is that I can't believe God. If you don't remove the if, failure will come. You don't want failure. You want faith. And then you can finish well, as Gideon did. They absolutely, against incredible odds, defeated the Midianite army. Against incredible odds. Why? God is the issue. Now, let's look at Barak. You're right there in Judges. Turn to Judges chapter 4. Barak was called by God to lead Israel another battle again against the Canaanites, who had been attacking and oppressing Israel for 20 years. You say, Pastor Mark, is that common for warfare, 20 years? How old are you? The number of years you are after you become a Christian is the number of years you'll be in spiritual warfare until you die. Is it common? It never goes away. We're always in spiritual warfare. Sometimes, obviously, some we sense them worse than others, but always there's spiritual warfare. My life, your life. But remember, God's in the background. You don't have to be fearful. Greater is he who's in you than in the world. But here, the Canaanites have been coming against Israel for 20 years. Barak was a soldier, but he hesitated. When God said to him, go, you're going to be the man that leads this, he said to God, I'll do it, but here's my condition. My condition is that the prophetess, Deborah, would go with me. Look at 4.8. Barak said to her, Deborah, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now, that verse is perfect if the person you're talking about is God going with you. Do you understand? If it's another person and God said, I'm not interested in the other person, I told you to go, then it's no good at all. There's a flaw, and there's going to be a problem with it. Now, look at Judges 4.9. Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you are going about this, Pretty diplomatic. The honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. 
So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak faced incredible odds. He already knew it. There were 900 chariots of iron in this massive army. God says to him, I'm giving you the victory. He says to God, okay, but I've got a condition to obey you. Whenever we add a condition to obedience, we're in trouble. So he says, if Deborah will go with me, then I'll go. Well, Barak finally did it. Look at Judges 4.16. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as HH, double H. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword and not a man was left. Now, what do you think he learned out of this? I think this. Barak learned to have faith in God only, or God alone. You see, don't put your faith in a man or a woman. That doesn't mean we don't trust our pastors and and whatever. Sure we do. And we trust our elders. But do you know, this shouldn't shock you, every pastor and every elder in this church is flawed. Because they're just like you. We're humans. We don't want to fail you. Prayerfully, you'll never hear from this pulpit the kind of failure we hear many places. But we are humans. So we don't accomplish everything. We're not men of faith as we need to be all the time. You keep praying for us. We'll get better. Will we ever be perfect? No. So you can't ultimately put your faith in a man or a woman. You have to put it in God alone. He's the only one that's perfect. He's the only one that's faithful. You say, well, Pastor Mark, when you left Merritt Island, you came down here. People put their faith in you. Well, I think they put their faith in Linda and I as a representative of God. But before long, they heard me teach, don't put your faith in me. When Pastor Dean and we sent him off, the elders sent him off to do Vieira. We put our faith that he would be the man down there. But our faith isn't in Pastor Dean at Vieira. Our faith in God. Your kids that you're raising, where's their faith? If it's in you, you're not a perfect parent. Yes, they want to love you. Yes, they want to have faith in you. But what do we teach our kids? Their faith should be what? In God alone. He's the only one that's faithful. Only one. And so everything that we do, understand that. We like to take credit for things. We don't want to take credit. I hope Barak learned this. He was trusting too much in a person and not enough in God. God said, the battle's yours. Go for it. He said, I will, but don't add it. Faith, flaw, failure, finish. Now, why did Barak finish well here? You'll hear me say this many times. Because of God's grace. Not because of his strong faith. Because of his grace. He finished well. Samson. When you hear the word Samson, are you surprised he's here in this chapter? Let me ask you. This is the chapter on faithful men and women. Hall of Fame. Look at their lives. Faith. If you were writing this, would you put Samson in? Interesting question, isn't it? As you look at his life, I think many of us one went, 
How, how, how did Samson get in there? I'm going to ask you a question at the end. Actually, I'm going to ask you now and then at the end. Do I have your attention? If you were in the Old Testament, would your name be on the list? Would your name be here? If God said, here's the Melbourne group over the last 10 years, would your name be here? It's a challenge, isn't it? Well, as you look at this, you know what Samson was. You know what his obvious weakness was. The flesh was his weakness. Lust of the flesh. He was weak in the sexual area. Never seemed to defeat that. Yet God detected faith in him. And you had snapshots. He was a man that worked alone. God enabled him to kill a young lion, destroy Philistines. You remember? Slay a thousand Philistines once with the jawbone of a donkey. Carry away the gates. Turn to Judges 16. You remember the story. We won't spend long. With such nagging, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 16, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. Now, you know the story. Became a slave, eyes poked out. Just a laughing stock of God. Whenever I think of Samson, I think of incredible potential that never, ever seemed to make it. Well, Look at verses 28. How would he end his life? At the end of his life, Judges 16, 28, then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. What do you see from that? Well, one thing you see is that he knew where his strength came from. It was from God. Just strengthen me once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson reached toward the two center pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against him as right on the one, left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. You see, God had honored Samson's request and empowered him to pull down that temple of Dagon and more Philistines were slain in his death in his whole life. What did he learn from this? Well, faith, flaw. Most of his life was failure. But in the end, there was success. He did finish well. Not the way you would have liked. What's the principle? Here it is. Write it down. By faith, by faith, Samson believed God would give him a second chance. He asked for it. He says, God, one more time. I know you can do it, God. I believe you're going to do it. Give me strength to end well. And God honored it. It was a picture of grace. And as you're thinking about that Is there a sin in your life that so easily besets you? 
Pastor Mark's teaching today reminded you that the life of the Christ follower isn't all lollipops and rainbows. There's some enemies that not only don't want your Christian life to succeed, they want it to fail. They're trying to take you down and make your faith ineffective. The devil wants to exploit your flaws and make them failures. God wants to transform them into virtues. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will be winding up his teaching, They Had Faith, So Can We. He'll continue talking about spiritual warfare and how the Christ follower engages in combat. You'll find out about a man that was an outcast due to the circumstances of his birth, but who God had plans for. You'll be reminded that it doesn't matter how you started. It matters how you finish. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a herd.